that's when I ran into Kanye and started documenting him. And then it led me to meet my, my brother from another mother, Chike. And uh, from there out, when we did the first video through the wire, we, we was like, man, we got to work together. And we, you know, started the business and did everything together. Cootie and Chike, creative control. About it in partnership is like, you got to really learn how to put your ego to the sides. And like, Chike, I just met this dude, Barack Obama, that want us to do this commercial. She gave me like, nah, man, I ain't, nah, I don't mess with politics, man. I'm good on that. You know, I was like, oh, okay. With us is two of our friends and brothers, Kuti and Chike, who are just very, very incredible. They're just inspiring and, uh, what we do on this podcast is bring people from all different walks of life and who started business, just all different types of ways. And we thought it would be just amazing to bring them up here and talk about some of the things they did. So maybe tell us just about like, you know, what like kind of like growing up, what it was like, just, you know, a little context for, you know, and moving into like how you guys met. Okay. Well, we, we got two different backgrounds. I'm, from Chicago, born and raised. Um, came up really in the streets of Chicago, probably like you, man, some, somewhat, I guess, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, but then I had a, um, I had a dream of, of, of doing things. You know, I, I used to take radio TV in, in high school. Um, but yeah, like I say, we were still in the streets, but we had the radio TV that, that gave me, um, that showed me things, you know, my sister was taking it and, and I learned, was learning how to work the cameras and doing all of that in high school. And then, um, and then after that, I started doing comedy after high school because I was funny. I knew I was funny. I used to, you know, disrupt the class. I, the teacher would say, but I have everybody. You actually funny or you thought you was funny? <laughs> I, I, I was actually funny. <laughs> to the point where I, um, where I, I said I'm going to do an open mic. So Bernie Mac, if y'all know Bernie Mac, so Bernie Mac would do an open mic at this place called the Cotton Club. And I said, I'm gonna go up, I'm gonna write some jokes and I'm gonna go up there. And, uh, and how God works for me, it was like, I didn't know what I was doing, I was nervous. The guy before me, he bombed, right? So he just like, nobody laughs. He's like, I'm, I'm off the stage, I'm getting off. And he just left the stage. Bernie Mac went up on stage, I'm about to go on. He was saying what the, dude, the guy should have done but he was really talking directly to me. So I'm looking at Bernie, okay, and do what? Okay, bet, bet. Went on stage and rocked it, you know, and from there on I was doing comedy, but I realized that wasn't my passion because I had a TV show, Channel Zero. Yeah, did y'all see the movie Genius? Anybody see that on Kanye West? Well, y'all haven't seen Genius neither? <laughs> yeah. Kanye West, the documentary on Netflix. Right. Like, or you haven't checked it out. You have to check it out, but uh, but which a lot of that story is in that in the in the documentary. But I started doing Channel Zero uh, hosting, and then I fell in love with the camera again. That take you back to high school, and uh, and when I did that, that's when I ran into Kanye and started documenting him, which led me to New York because he moved to New York, and then it led me to meet my my brother from another mother, Chike, and uh, from there out when we did the first video through the wire, we. We was like, man, we got to work together. And we, you know, started the business and did everything together. Cootie and Chike, Creative Control, which is this, this shirt right here. 
the CSCs was Cootie and Chica. And then when we started the production company, Creative Patrol, we was like, let's just use that as a logo. And, and that's how we did it. So your friend, uh, read some of your friend, Danny, he was the one who approached you about doing uh, Channel Zero. Channel Zero, yeah. What was that like? Like a public service channel? You was doing comedy. You never did it before. Yeah. What What, what made you say yeah? Or did you say yeah immediately? Well, I mean, yeah. When he was like, I want you to host it. I, you know, because being a comedian, you thinking about like the person that inspired me was Richard Pryor, period. Yeah. You know what I mean? I watched Jojo Dancer, the movie he did. And I, and I was like, if I do what he did, but I don't do the, the stuff like the, the drugs and all that, I can blow up, you know what I'm saying? And so I, I looked at that. I mean, he and, did and, blow uh, up Which Mike, that's one of the Mike things. Mike <laughs> said, don't do drugs and, uh, and save half your money. He gave us that advice before uh, Mike. But uh, That's why we kicked him off. Right, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so when Danny approached me about doing that, of course, I'm like, perfect, you know, and then and we just was going out and I just got so passionate about it. You remember your first, because uh, what you was interviewing, more rappers, right? Yeah, we interviewed whoever, though. We interviewed. You remember, like, your first two interviews? First two interviews? Well, I'm going to tell you what, what made... Or your what, weirdest interview. What, what, made, what was your weirdest, weirdest interview? The weirdest interview was, uh, I mean, Busta Rhymes, right? <laughs> so now, mind you, we, we, we was like, okay, we're going to start this show. So we used to sneak in the concert, so we just had the camera sneaking the concert, so we snuck in and, and shot uh, Buster Rhymes on stage, but then we went backstage and stood by his dressing room yeah. and waited for him to come out to do the interview, and he came out, and he was salty at that, but he cussed <laughs> us out. He's like, erase that tape, erase that tape. So we had to erase the tape, but in, that was VHS, as, you know, the VHS times where the only way you can erase is by recording over. So we put the camera to the ground and recorded over, and he was cursing us out first that you can hear. Yeah. And then he started giving us advice and all. So we aired that episode. <laughs> all you can see is the floor and hear Buster Rav talking. Then we would go to the concert footage and back, and, uh, and then we would put it in the uh, barbershops. Uh, I mean, Danny used to do, we used to cut hair. Yeah. There was this barbershop in Bellow Swing. That's where Kanye would come get his hair cut. That's how I met him and got cool with him. And, uh, and Danny would play it at the barbershop and everybody would go crazy, you know, over it. And we would put it on public access, like you were saying, and, and it just started blowing up. And, and one other one was with Bow Wow that went viral. You see the Bow Wow one? I seen the Bow Wow one, I but call him a girl. nobody at Irby watches, uh, you know, <laughs> anything. So tell them about the Bow Wow one a little bit. Uh, it was a clip with, uh, where Bow Wow was a little boy I didn't know. I thought he was a girl, but he was like, you know, he was cute. You know what I'm saying? He had hair all down. I'm like, so I'm like, oh, you, I said, you are just, you are so cute. Look at you. You're the cutest little girl. And, they, and somebody was like, and, and, and pardon my friends, but somebody was like, that's a nigga, man. I'm like, oh. But, uh, but yeah, so that, that actually went viral later on in life, of course, and then we put it in the documentary. Mind but, you, uh, Bow Wow was like a 10-year-old confused yeah, I mean, little girl yeah, at this yeah. point, I guess. Uh, how, about, how about Chike? Let's, let's talk about his, uh, his start. Uh, Man, how you got there? Well, I, I grew up in New Orleans, yeah. and um, like probably like every kid in my neighborhood wanted to play basketball, and I, I held on that dream all the way until like high school. 
And but I always was doing stuff with my hands. I was always designing stuff. So my mother was like, "Well, the only way I'm gonna let you continue to play sports is if you, you know, just if you would go to art camp in the summer." So like, I'd go to art camp every summer to help continue going to sports camp as well. And so, um, and luckily she did that because that's the thing like I held on to. You know, um, I ended up going to art school, Savannah College of Art and Design, and. Uh, I got really fascinated with music videos at the time. That's what Hype Williams was doing, like really dope music videos, Busta Rhymes, and Missy Elliott, and uh, this other, Chris Cunningham was another uh, director that was doing some really dope stuff, the Apex Twins, and so it was like a lot of cool videos, but I noticed in like, in hip hop videos, so I went to this, my mother sent me to this private school um, because she's trying to give me a, a better education in that school. I was probably like the only, like maybe, two black kids in the whole school. So all my friends were, they were listening to like alternative music. They were listening to like Tool and like uh, heavy metal, like Megadeth. And I was really into rap at the time still. And New Orleans is a huge bounce music scene. So I was really into that. But I noticed like, but their videos that were, they were really creative. They were doing like stop motion animation and stuff from like the Tool videos. And they were like pouring champagne on the girls and like the hip hop videos. So I was like, man, I would love to do videos that, that would take the animation and the cool stuff from like the alternative music and put that into like hip hop videos. So that kind of became a passion of mine. I took that to college with me in college. I started shooting like little music videos, just remaking videos, like remaking a biggie video or whatever. And then um, my goal was to get to MTV because I knew at MTV I'd probably meet like an artist and get into music videos. And the wild thing is that's like exactly what happened. Like my first job out of- How did that happen? I mean, I, I got, I get it. I can only give up, give it, give it to him, but I, mean, I think I just in my subconscious I put so much energy into it that I was just moving in that in that direction the whole time, you know. And so when the opportunity presented itself, I was ready. And uh, I had an interview at MTV with this the uh, art director there. And my I was motion graphics was my major in school because uh, I loved film, but um, I liked graphic design. They were shooting more film in that department than they were shooting in the video. They were still shooting a lot of like big video cameras then but they were actually shooting like on a Russian, the old Bolex cameras and the motion graphics. So I'm like, I'm gonna stay in motion graphics, which was perfect. So I ended up getting a job at motion graphics and uh, packaging different shows at MTV. And um, and sure enough at MTV, that's where I that's met Kudi, I met Kanye, and we, we ended up doing Kanye's first video. And Through the Wire was the first the thing was you guys first. did together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty, Through the Wire was the video. Yeah. Kanye West is a rapper. <laughs> <laughs> and through the wire was like his first thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. He doesn't do real estate. <laughs> <laughs> tried, he tried. He did try. We'll get yeah. to that soon. And but, we, did, um, we did that for a minute. Like the music videos, we had a little run. But like that wasn't really Cootie's passion. That was that was my passion. Cootie wanted to do films. Yeah. So um, actually, my my goal is. Uh, when I read this book, Keys to Success by Napoleon Hill, it um it said at the beginning you have to have a major purpose in life. So I wrote down, I'm gonna own a network. This in 2001, you know, and um still don't have a network yet, but we have I'm, one, we're we gonna have, get it. We had had one before, we one but we we gonna get it because you know you can when you when you can see it when you visualize it, it don't happen in your time and happen in God's time. So. You know, we still working towards it, but uh, but that was my the major purpose. I was like, and then in, in that book, that was 2001, the World Trade Center just failed. I moved to New York August, World Trade Center went down September 11th. I picked the book up because somebody gave me the book 
as I'm reading the book, I realized at the time that I couldn't even read. I'm 30 years old and I'm reading this book and I'm like, initiative, I didn't know the word, so I had to get a dictionary, I'm reading and learning how to read while I'm, while I'm you know, reading the book. And But it, when they said that, that's the first thing it said, I wrote the network and then in this book, notebook pad that I still have, you see all these words and definitions of the words after the network, you know what I mean? So I seen visually what, what that was, then it said you had to get a, have a mastermind alliance you know, and I'm like, okay, Mastermind Alliance. Then I started meeting people like Chike who worked at MTV, and I'm meeting like Snoop who worked at HBO, and I'm like, oh, this will make on my Mastermind Alliance, you know, meeting day, you know, meeting male, and like, it's just all, it's gonna happen, you know what I mean? But uh, but that was um, that was my major, major purpose. It, it is my major purpose in life, and, and you know, y'all probably can all help me on this. Y'all be my mastermind alliance. Come on. Let's but go. it's so but it's so crazy because like that's what business untitled is all about. You know what I'm saying? Like he just said he really figured out at 30 years old that he couldn't read and picked up his first book and learned to read. And I won't say how old you are, but let's roughly say 30 years later, he, you know has done some of the greatest film documentaries we have ever seen and is doing amazing things. You know, one of the first things I seen other than through The Wire, which I didn't know you at the time, was you guys did the Seth on Marbury doc, right? Talk a little bit about that. How you even got into that? Well, that was wild because it, it wasn't even on our radar. Like, we weren't even, I think at that point, we were looking to transition more to scripted, like feature narratives. And so, uh, but we had just done um, a doc on Muhammad Ali and Martin Luther King. And so the executive producer that, Jason Samuel, he was working with another uh, executive producer named Nina Bon Jovi, who was partners with Forrest Whitaker. And so Nina was good friends with Stefan Marbury. And so she had hit Jason up like, man, we want to do this documentary. You, you, do you know anybody that would be good to direct it? You know, she's like, our agency wants this person, but we just want to see if we can find somebody else. And so based on our experience with that, we uh, with Martin Luther King and, and um, Muhammad Ali with him, he recommended us to Nina. And so we had one call with Nina. And at first we were like, dang, should we like, I mean, I knew Steph, but I didn't know like right. the story like yeah. that. So I was just like, I don't know. Is this one that we, you know, a lot of docs you do are, are their passion projects. So it's like you, you vested in it, you know what I mean? So, and we just came off for like Muhammad Ali. You know, we were like, Muhammad Ali, Steph, I don't know, if do we do it, do we do it? And then, um, but we sat with Nina and uh, really, Nina was doing feature films. She did I Was Sorry to Bother You, and she just done, you know, she did Fruitville Station. She discovered Ryan Coogler. So we're like, well, the relationship is worth us, you know, doing this just so we can figure out how to get into features. And then, but then when we met Nina, and then we met Steph, like, and it's, once we heard the story, when we sat down with Steph, it was just like, you know, we understood why. It felt divine that we were even all sitting here talking about uh, his life felt so connected to our life and then we heard his journey and we're like oh this could make like some real impact your story could so right what's what's that intersection like of like where you in documentaries specifically where you have an idea like, okay this is Muhammad Ali everybody knows him but then with something like Steph where it just unfolds right and kind of grips you like I guess it's a little bit of both of those things right you have an idea but sometimes something comes to you and it just it yeah, moves, yeah, right? you don't know it. Like, like with Muhammad Ali, man, I can go online, I can Google it, and I can find everything. You've seen so many different Muhammad Ali stuff over Martin. You know the impact that they made. So with somebody like Steph, the type of, the type of impact 
is not so out front. You can't really Google Steph's story and necessarily find where the impact would be through the internet. You have to have a real personal conversation with him, figure out what he went through, what he's going through, like a therapist almost. Like the, the conversation is like a therapy session that you're having with somebody to really bring out all the stuff and then figure out like, oh man, like your life story could really make some impact. It's worth us telling. Not because you're Steph, but just because of what other people could take away from your story. Right. Yeah. Do, do you guys have experiences where you 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 think something's gonna I'm sure you do but like you think something's gonna be interesting you put some time into it and then you're like ah oh, no there's there's like this story doesn't resonate with me like does that happen to you much that we did like well I mean I think everything that we do we we know is going to be you know it, or we won't do it you uh -huh. know what I mean so there's story there's definitely stories that everybody thinks they have a story everybody wants right. a documentary like everybody feels like their life is everything is important which it is you know what I'm saying but but the thing about it is like you had, the thing that makes documentaries is not so much like how good something is as far as like how much success somebody's able to have. It's really like, it's all about the antagonism. It's all about like the darkest stuff that somebody had to go through yeah. and, and how they were able to overcome that. Then that, that's when you have a rich story. Mm -hmm. Like not everybody's gone through those types of things and not everybody who has gone through those types of things wants to talk about those types of things. Yeah, so it involves yeah. a lot of vulnerability, mm -hmm. finding like, what is somebody going to be willing to be vulnerable? So like this, there's that type of vetting, and it's hard to find that type of story and that type of person. Yeah, we did a commercial though, a commercial that we was wasn't proud of, and that's why we came up with creative control. You know, we was like, man, we got our creative control everything that we do yeah. because we came up with this brilliant idea um, for for the the company. You know, uh, and they they loved it, but then. Once we turned that over, they let us direct the music video, but then they they was like, well, no, we we gonna do it the way we wanna do it, mm -hmm. and then one let us put our, you know, cause they they was it was about our culture, and that's what we presented to them, and then they just took it, and from that point on, we was like, man, we gotta have Creative Patrol, and I looked looked and we looked to see if it was available, or Creative yeah. Patrol was available, we're like, oh, it's available, uh -huh. <laughs> perfect, so we so we uh so we did a uh, LLC you know, yeah. uh, for the Creative Patrol uh, company. And uh, we actually own the trademark for Creative Patrol and all things media too. Uh -huh. so That's a big deal. Lesson. Yeah, Thanks to yeah, Kevin, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So what yeah. some of the like, you know, we, we talk about it a lot and we ask a lot of guests about it. What, what were some of the moments you felt like, cause we all know being an entrepreneur is kind of like, you know what I'm saying? And a lot more downs than ups, right? But those ups you hit just, kind of always say if you aim high enough and make up for everything else. What were some of the moments separately or together that you just almost gave up on your dream because it was like so crazy? Or maybe it just felt like it was the end and you had to go through it. Yeah, I mean, I, I started when I just wasn't gonna give up, you know? I mean, I, I remember my, my daughter turned five years old and, um. And I couldn't get, I couldn't afford to get the five candle, you know, for the cake. Mm -hmm. And now, now we was filmmakers, yeah. we was doing music videos, but then we were, we did uh, ESPN 30 for 30 Benji, uh, and it was just taking forever for everything to just turn over. So it was months and months of not making no nothing, and we had to pay rent, and and it was just like I couldn't afford that, that candle, but I still, I had just had super faith, you know what I mean? That I was like, 
okay, what I mean, we was, I was going to the grocery store getting ramen noodles, and, and it was so good. You know what I'm saying? I was loving the ramen noodles. Like, I, I still love ramen noodles. I was the big one. They had the big one, too. I was like, oh, they got a big one. But uh, but what it was crazy, this is how God worked. My daughter, I couldn't get the five cake, but just so happened the neighbor had a daughter who just made five, and then she they just like the day before my daughter's birthday, the 16th, my daughter's birthday on the 17th, she came over like, you want to use this this candle for her? That's crazy. Crazy. And then she had the five candle. God made that happen. But uh, yeah, we, we it was a lot of lot of struggle, period, in the business, you know. What about yours? I think it's just like, it was, was quit was never an option. Yeah. So it, there was never a time where I felt But like, there's the moments you feel like defeated a, i think there's the moments that that you second guess yourself yeah you second guess like man i am i am i talented you know what i'm saying like because you got such a confidence in yourself you know and that's why you embark on that path you know because you're passionate about it and then you put in all these hours and and, and so over time like i know i'm good at, at what i do i know and i feel exceptional at what i do so i feel like sky's the limit but then in the in our particular industry, I'm sure in other industries, just in entrepreneurship, there's way more no's than you're getting, than yeses. Like things aren't getting green lit. We've sent in so many treatments, so many ideas for films, so many things. And you're like, dang, if my ideas are good, then how come they're not getting, you know, picked? Or how yeah. come no companies don't want to green light it? You know, but yeah. all that stuff makes you just, it's not until you're able to take ownership of it in yourself and figure out what are the, some of the resources that we can use on our own to like try to bring some of our, our visions to life without having to wait on somebody to green light them. And a lot of that can happen with technology. Fortunately, when like the DSLR cameras came out and we didn't need a huge, like we didn't even need all this to create yeah. something. Then we were able to show people without what we can do. And then, so we had created creative control online network and it was just like, it started moving. You know what I mean? So it was like those times. And even after then, you still get the times when like things happen and life in general, you know, business we the billy over here we've, we've done some amazing things we've known this man for over 20 years of work together we've had projects where at in our 20s where we had created up in a corporation qvc mm -hmm. and it's about to go like yeah. our life's about to change mm -hmm, mm -hmm. recession I, hits i'm i'm like every season a lawsuit or whatever and it just go and all that work just go like you feel like it goes yeah down the speaking of 20 you know, years that's Roughly how long you filmed Kanye for, right? Yeah. First of all, that's fucking yeah. crazy. <laughs> the more yeah. 21 yeah. years. You what? know what, Elon, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, what, I was just going to give context on that. Cause I think what's amazing about that is that filming Kanye for 21 years and he's going through, he's from Kanye at 18 years old, right? To college dropout, right? Cootie's with him before that to college dropout. Um, at, you know, runaway, like all the, the, the whole, um, the whole story of it, but was, amazing to me about that as well was that they kept the control over that and Kanye's a big deal as this is happening this is what's amazing right and they never went and like had that loss of faith where they were like okay let me just take some money for this and like de-risk it and at the end of the day they had full creative control and ended up making a deal with Netflix which I'm gonna let them talk about for the US rights but that mentality is pretty amazing I just want to highlight it because it, there would have been many times along that road to take some money and de-risk that thing and lose a little bit of control right so why don't you want to talk about that a little bit and like just when you started creative control maybe like how that came out of 
your initial um, togetherness on the Kanye through the wire thing, you know, when you and just how that formed. A little quick before he yeah. said it, because he's yeah. super humble. He never really gone talk about like he was the I mean, obviously, he had spent the most time with this footage and he was the one who had the whole vision to even do this in the first place. But when it came down to that negotiation process, I mean, you got like, we're, we're partnering with Time Magazine, you know what I'm saying? We're, I mean, well, Time Studios, but Time, we're partnering with Time, we're talking to every single network is courtness. And it's a different type of, I've never experienced anything, it's a different type of court shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, there's a lot of intimidation going on, it's A24, people are threatening, like, you courted us, then you promised us, so we'll sue you. Like, there was a lot going on. And at the end of the day, though, and everybody's ready to just kind of, you know, we had investors that had put up money, time and put in, invested some time and allocated some resources. So everybody's at the point where they're kind of like, we're just ready to get off, you know, let's just get this thing off, you know. But Cootie's just like, it, it didn't, I'll go, he's like, I, I went this long, I'll go another 15 years. Like, <laughs> whatever, you know what I'm saying? It, it just wasn't, it, he had a lot of integrity when it came down to handling the business and he had to, he, he managed that whole deal when it came down to like, I'm talking about people that do this for a living. You know what I mean? We're creatives. We don't, we're not really doing this type of business deals for a living, but he. Well, I just had to fail. Handle the business. Handle the business. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, no, cause like it, it was, you know, it was like big money too, you know, that we never seen before. <laughs> like what? Like they was like, you got to like Friday to make this decision. And I, I was just, it was like, no, we're not. We're gonna make sure that we own it first. We was not going to let nobody buy that from us. We own it. I, we we had to fight for Kanye as well, cause you know what I'm saying. I'm like I'm in front of I'm behind the camera. He's in front of the camera, so we have to make sure that he's a part of this situation, even though he's billionaire or whatever. But you know we got to make sure that. So it was a big fight in and work for that to make sure he was getting what he needed to get and. um and then of course with him, you know what I'm saying, I had to really, you know, it was it was a trip. That's when I ran it ran it to you. I was out there. It was y'all, y'all, y'all don't understand God. We gotta so give a little like, bit of that story, <laughs> man. I've been I've been to DR, I go to I fly in on this on this little kay to like, well put it like this. We we just got the sizzle made, right, for the movie. So I'm like, I told Tom, y'all gotta trust me. We cannot we cannot get Kanye until we have a movie, until we have something. So we, the sizzle came in, a rough cut, and then right after that rough cut, Kanye called me the next day after the rough cut, out of nowhere, like, I want to, you know, is it okay if I use some of my mother's footage for this Donda album I'm working on? I'm like, yeah, but I, but I had the rough, so I'm like, well, I got something I want to show you. And he was like, okay. I said, well, I said, I'll fly wherever you at, let me know. And he was like, all right, but we got disconnected and he called me back they, when he called me. I mean, no, his security called me like, Mr. West would like for you to come to DR tomorrow morning. And I was like, tomorrow morning? I said, well, I might come in the evening tomorrow, but they're like, no, the plane's going to leave. And I'm like, you know what? This is important. Bet. I'll be there. So I get there. I get on this jet, little small jet. It's about like a bunch of us on this little small jet. So we sitting like this. Somebody sitting this way. I'm sitting this way. And uh, and and God was it was so much it was so much going on. So when I land, whatever, CA, and um and you know it, it, people just treat you a certain way if they don't know you or like who is this person. So I'm just being treated bad, and I I wasn't tripping. I was like whatever. And uh and then the next day, 
the owner of the house, which was Mike <laughs> Dovercrat, the guy we kicked off the show. So Mike <laughs> come in, right? And they like, cause they kept saying, they put me in this in, the, in the, one of the houses that nobody stayed in the whole <laughs> pandemic. So it's like, Bill, do spell it. I'm just I'm getting sick. I had to go back to the house with, with the main house. And uh, and then and then I, t- I told her, I said, well, I can't stand that house. They're like, well, you can stay right here on this on this chair. I'm just like, oh, okay, that's how y'all gonna be, right? But long story short, the owner of the house come in, which I never met, which was Mike, with Dave. I was like, <laughs> dude, it was like, God was, I was like, thank you. The Dave was like, Cody, what you doing? We had we put something. And then, 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 and, um, and then uh, Kaye was like, but y'all know each other? We was like, yeah, man, we go way back from Terrence and all that. He was like, Kanye was like, look at God. That's what Kanye said. Because you was about God. to be on that chair. Man. <laughs> and everything God changed. and Dave saved you. <laughs> <laughs> everything changed from that moment. You know what I'm saying? It was, I was treated well. We just can't wait. We did. And then he's, y'all, y'all seen him in the, in the film, in the third movie, in the yeah. film. But I, I, like, he asked me to go to dinner. Kanye didn't. All I heard, I, I, I'm, I'm sitting there talking to this the hotel, like texting, and uh, and and I heard you ask him. Kanye said you ask him, right? I'm like, I look up, Dave come over and was like, "Hey, you want to go to dinner and drinks?" I'm like, "Oh, let's do it." So I said, "I'm gonna bring the camera." He was like, "Bet, come on." So the and backstory I, that's behind that—that that was the moment Kanye almost got into real estate. Yeah. He went to the DR because he wanted to. You know what, Dave? You tell the story a little bit. Why did how did y'all even end up in the DR with Kanye? So literally, I mean, I thought that he had all paid himself, you know, and he got himself else and wanted to protect his friend. That's so he started all this create. Yeah, you worry about this. That is why not we got it. Yeah, but so it's just not a part of that sort that we get touched. Father lives in the Dominican Republic, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, and called me up. He's like, ah, you know, I got to see your friend's house. You know, can you get me in? I'm like, okay. This is, you know, you know Cootie's still back in the U.S. We don't even know this is going to happen. Of course, we knew each other. And uh, by the time Kanye got to Mike's house, he's like, can I stay here? You know, I'm like, Mike, can you stay here? And I'm like, all right, let's go down. You know, so we flew down and... Um, uh, but that was really the essence of it was he was trying to find properties at that point in time that he could kind of execute this creative vision, which had to do with like community around music, gospel, art and things like that. And it was it was interesting. Um, you know, of course, working with Kanye's got its challenges. And nobody would uh, doubt that. Cootie knows that better than anybody. But that's First that's really all, where it started. Yeah. I'm gonna tell this part. He moved all Mike's furniture out of the house. That's right. That's true. True. <laughs> and when Mike showed up and was like, "Where's my?" And furniture? took the master bedroom. Oh, and took right. the master bedroom. <laughs> took the master bedroom, moved all the furniture out of the house, and told Mike he's a minimalist. Yeah, that's right. That's true. So then Cootie got kidnapped, but we won't talk about that here. <laughs> right? Really. No, it was crazy though, know, but but they they wanted me to go to Wyoming, you know. So matter matter of fact, so I, I, I we all stayed we all get rooms at the hotel, and I I hit Kanye because he said he wanted to work out with me. So I hit him in the morning. I said I'm about to go work out. He was like he was like man I'm in uh 
I'm in Florida putting my name up for the ballot to run for president. I'll be back in three hours or something. I'm like, what? Damn, okay. <laughs> so I took, so I, I, all I said was, I said, you can conceive and believe you can achieve. That's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> they know what else to say. I'm like, so, so I hung up and then, and then next thing I know, security, they like, you have to go to Wyoming. Everybody got to pack their things and go to Wyoming. I'm like, what? I, I, I paid for my own room for two days, right? So I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm staying. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not leaving. They, they, you have to go. You have, I'm like, I'm not going. I, I don't work with nobody. I'm, I'm going to go when I go. I just, you know, I said, if y'all want to, you know, because they gave me a commercial flight to fly back. I'm like, if y'all want to, you know, cancel that, I get my own flight. They was like, well, they, gonna, they might shut down DR and you're going to get stuck. I, I said, I, if I get stuck, look at look how beautiful. I'm like, I, I'm good. I'm this beautiful out here. And they was like, whatever. So, so I'm like, well, I'm not going. And then everybody, you know, they they everybody that worked for them had to just pack up and leave. It just didn't matter, right? So um, I hit Dave. I said, Dave. I said, man, Kaye and them, they all leaving. I'm I'm gonna be here. I said, if y'all want to go see them, y'all was going to see the houses. I'm like, if y'all want to go, and they was like, no, nah, no, nah, but uh. But you know, if you want to come have dinner with us, you know, you can come by. And then, then, then Dave was like, and um, and, you know, we leave tomorrow. If you if you need a lift back to to, to uh, New York, he said a lift. I never heard that from a lift <laughs> back to New York. <laughs> and uh, and I, I wind up flying back with Dave and Mike and on a real plane. Kicking it, we kicked it that night. <laughs> we too, did, huh? we did, we, we kicked it that night. That came night. back the next day. It worked out perfectly. Yeah. Oh no, it was. Uh, so, it was the architect that got kidnapped. He got kidnapped. Yeah, he, got kidnapped. <laughs> yeah, he got kidnapped. That's a, that's a whole they other story. To kidnap not, me. He <laughs> tried to kidnap him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So talk a little bit about like early days of creative control and like how you guys, you know, like the synergy between you guys a little bit. Maybe like what you, you know, I know you know different roles, but how you manage the creative process because you're both extremely creative, of course. And and uh, you know, does that ever re result in any tension? Is it just collaboration? What's that look like? I, I say it's like it's it's real pure collaboration I think because we do we both understand each other's strengths and respect each other's strengths I know what he's really good at he knows what I'm really good at and so uh like Cootie's amazing with 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 timing and beats and storytelling and I think a lot of that comes from his days as a comedian because if you're not good at timing you get booed by thousands of people so I think uh he was forced to understand timing and so um and I trust him you know what I mean and and, and vice versa and the creative control days was was really fun. It, it, it kind of was a period where we created in Tribeca. We had partnered with Dame Dash, and um, hey, I just love crazy black people. I know that's what we <laughs> <laughs> Yo, we dealt with we dealt with. That's one thing about from Dame to homie at Echo, like moguls and strong personalities. But I just think it's good. The more types of personalities you can deal with, it just it just helps you in life. If you can deal with those people, you can deal with with anybody, you know what I mean? And, um, but it was a beautiful time. I felt like it was, it probably was like when Andy Warhol and them had the studio back in the day, maybe the closest thing that could have existed at that time. So we had, I mean, everybody, I mean, it was everybody from like the Black Keys to Mos Def to Erica Badu to Lenny Kravitz would be downstairs jamming at any given minute. And they were out there capturing it with cameras and putting it up the next day on the network. And they were breaking artists like uh, Currency and Stolly and Big Crit and they're getting deals coming out the can you know what I'm saying so like we have our hands in really shaping culture and, and giving opportunities to a lot of people that are just looking to be creative and and free and do it in a very entrepreneurial way where like 
they're not signing to labels. They're just trying to orchestrate deals where they could just get their distribution, but not signing these 360 deals. You know what I mean? So we were just, and then we kind of started getting back into the music video stuff again because we could do it on our own terms. Mm -hmm. We had cameras. We weren't writing treatments anymore. Like I yeah. remember uh, Gil Scott Heron, before he passed, we did a video for him. And the label, uh, it was XL Records. They asked us if we wanted to do this video. And we're like, yeah, of course. But we're like, but we're not going to write a treatment because we know how that we never get treatments when we write for them. So we had these cameras like, we're just going to shoot it. If y'all like it, pay us for it. If you don't, we're going to put it up on our own network. And just and that gave us so much leverage just being able to um, position it that way. They loved the video, so they did buy it from us. Now, in hindsight, we probably should have licensed it. But, you know, <laughs> but whatever. It was it was still like just being able to like take a different perspective on how to achieve something, have the resources to do it, not even needing like crazy resources to do it, but just being really creative about it. It put us in a completely different position. It put us in a different position with that network. And then we were collaborating with different young creatives, had internship opportunities that we gave. And so many people, you know, Salehi, Salehi was an intern. Oh, wow. Yeah, at that That's time. Like, so many people came from out of there that are that doing crazy things right now. So mm -hmm. who created this space? Was it It was a combination. Yeah. So Dame had a, we had the website Creative Control. So we had the, the we had spent like our last money on getting this thing built, right? So we had like the infrastructure and everything there. And Dame was trying to turn his magazine, America New, into a network. So he's like, well, let's just partner. You already got the, the interface and everything. And it's like, and I, the way he just moved, Dame, the way Dame moves is insane. And I've never seen anybody, and maybe it came from his time with, with Jay and just what he learned at that time. But the way he moves into spaces and get into spaces, like Ooh. he had got us a spot that he was doing his car. He had a car dealership with somebody, Malcolm, somebody at one time mm -hmm. at this spot, Tribeca, but it was sitting there dark. So he just went and negotiated with the guy like, man, it's dark. Let me get it pop. At least I can put my brand on it and get whatever. We had this spot for almost like a year rent free. Like, I mean, Dane was dealing with the headache. So I don't know what he had promised because at some right. point we had to get up <laughs> out of there quick. Yeah. But at the end of the day, though, we got so much content out of there and we created this space that was a very magical moment yeah. in New York. Like so many people, people started visiting New York to visit. Like they would go to Statue of mm -hmm. Liberty and I got to go to DD-172. Like, you guys ever getting any, yeah, any, any stats about anything? Man. Huh? Have you, you guys ever gotten any disagreements about like anything? Like, for sure. like <laughs> no, with each other. I'm saying on like a project, like you want to do it, you don't want to do it, or some. What's the what's the one that stands out? If there's there must be something. Well, with one, I, I, it's cool. I tell this story. Which one? <laughs> oh, no, bar, oh, oh, yeah. the line. Oh, yeah. So, so it's well with. <laughs> I thought you was gonna tell the other one though. Which one? Tell the other one. Tell the other one too. I'll start with the Obama yeah. one. Yeah. So, so we, uh, so I, I was in Chicago, and uh, and my homegirl was like, "I want you to meet the, this guy. He wanted for Senate. Come over, you know, and it was Barack Obama. I you know, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, on the west side of Chicago. So I meet him, what's up? And then she was like, yo, yo, you can do his, um, you know, it's after Through the Wire. So she's like, yo, y'all can do his commercial, you know, for, uh, for him running for sitting. I was like, oh, okay, yes, that sounds dope. I was like, Chike, I get Chike. I like, Chike, I just met this dude, Barack Obama, that wants us to do this commercial. <laughs> Chike was like, nah, man, I ain't, I, I don't mess with politics, man. I'm just gonna <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, okay. Never gonna All right, bet, bet. No, we good. <laughs> Thank you. You know, that was it, but. He wound up running for president. But if we would have did it, that Barack Obama. He might not have won president if we would have did it. If we did it, he might not have won president. He might not have won president. Ain't no telling. But uh, but no, but it was one one time, because Chike real progressive, and he like, 
you know, he's a designer, he's an artist, you know. Yeah, I so, feel like I'm, I'm more an, an artist than I am a director of film. Like, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm into art. Yeah. So, but the medium is, is film, but it could change. It could be a canvas. It could be a clothing line, which is yeah. a perfect example for this conversation. Right. But so he yeah. taught me something really important lesson that day as far as when you're trying to achieve goals and maybe the best way to go about achieving them. Um, and you could explain it better. Yeah. So, so we, uh, so his clothing line was seemed like it was about to really blow up. You know, he got some partners here and on there, you know, and I was just rooting them all like, let's go, you know. But then we, we it was the other things in film, like, you know, because the goal, we had to go. I thought we had to go doing the network, you know. I thought, I, yeah, I'm a mastermind alliance. So I'm like, you know, and then we did this music video and we on our way from there. And I was saying something about some film. And then Chica was like, man, that, I know I said something about the network or something. He was like, that ain't my goal. My goal is I want to do all, a lot of stuff. I want to do clothing line, and I got this, and I got that. I want to do these yo-yos. I want to do, you know, that's my thing, you know. And I was like, I said, okay, bet. So we went to go meet with the lady about his clothing line, and it was like, God, oh, it was funny, because she told his clothing line, she like, this will never work right in front of me. And I'm like, see, right so now we have no money, and we walk in through, we walk in because we couldn't get on a train, right? <laughs> so we walk into his crib in Harlem, right? This is that before the Barack thing or after? Yeah, this is, this is, uh, this is, this was, was this, this before? Yeah, it was after. I think it was, after. It was definitely after because we lived in LA. That's when oh, you should have yeah, put yeah. Barack on the screen and just stared at him. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> you know? but, we, uh, but we walk in from the lady to his house in Harlem, and as we walk in, I was like, uh, I was like, Chica, I said, where we going? He was like, to the crib. We walking to the crib. I said, yeah. I said, now we walking. I said, now you you would say, like, you'd be like, man, I'm hungry. Let's let's go over here and go to McDonald's. I'm like, okay, bet. I'll go to McDonald's with you. I went to McDonald's. So we go to McDonald's on like 66. We got to go to 117. So then we steady walking, right? And he like, you know what? I got to go back real quick and pick up something on uh, on 96, you know, and I want to go get that. I'm like, oh, well, okay, bet. I said, oh, bet, I, I'll, go, I'll go with you. We go we go back, you know, and I, we go there. So then as we still walking towards his crib, which is the goal to get to, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden I'm like, let's be like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to go to the crib. I'm just going, nah, I'm not even going to go. And I'm like, wait, but I thought our goal was to go to the crib. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm about to go to the crib. <laughs> I'm about to, I, you do what you do, I'm about to go to the crib. And and I think that was something that was like, uh, like a, we, you know, we have to have the same, we got the same goal. We got to move on that same goal. We can't, you know, stray away all, because that's, the goal is this. And, and he was like, yeah, that is, that's the goal. Yeah, the thing about it in partnership is like, you got to really learn how to put your ego to the side. So like a lot of times that was a personal thing that, was going, I could have let my ego got to get the best of me and just decided like, nah, I'm right, I'm gonna prove you right. We had put so much work together in trying to achieve this, you know, for something that kind of came into my life kind of quick that was threatening everything that we had built up until this moment. And like, you just, when you have a partner, you gotta really, you gotta respect their point of view. You gotta be able to understand when you're wrong, you know what I'm saying, and be able to admit that. And uh. And then, like you said, be able to figure out, let's realign and figure out what the goal is. And we got back on that thing. And now there's plenty of time. I could do a clothing line now if I wanted to. Yeah. I could do 
this now, but let's achieve one thing first to the maximum and then go to the next thing, you know, because mm-hmm. otherwise he's like, we're going to be going in circles. We'll never get to a goal. We'll just constantly right, going right. in circles. Yeah. Have you guys, and anything like that you've like kind of reinvented or moved, like with all business, right? Like you're, you know, you have to like always be up on new artists or new trends, you know, you know, real estate, even in its own way, it's like styles change, things change, you know, anything stand out for you in terms of like how you guys have like approached that or shifts you've made or how you ke- how you've kept up with kind of what's happening? I think for us, it's, it's understanding how to put ourselves in position to get the projects that we want to get done, done. <laughs> and and try and realizing like the genius project was a huge part of that, like, man, we just need to come. We just need to put ourselves in a position to finish a project from start to finish. There's no more walking into a, a network or a distributor with an idea in a deck and telling them like, you know, do you guys want to do this? Like, we're just going to get it done. And then, and, and we're not going to bet on them to even do it. We're going to figure out our own way to get an option to distribute it so that when we do meet with them, they already know it's happening regardless mm-hmm. of their, a lot of times you walk into, in, in our field, if you walk into there and you have a project, Nine times they realize like it's probably not going to happen if they don't throw the resources at us. Right. They're in a position of just like, and then kind of go with the album finish. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing here. Like, no, if you could finish your album and get it completed, and then, but on top of that, if you could, if you can figure out how to get it played at radio and already had that stuff kind of set set aside, you got so much leverage now when you go to the label because you're not dependent upon them. Yeah. So we're just trying to figure out how to, can we not be dependent on anybody? And then that helps you make real partners because like instead right. of we time became a partner of ours. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Netflix ended up being a partner of ours. They weren't. We, we didn't end up working for Netflix. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So you guys in the middle of this bidding war, that's what we call it in music. You guys know yeah. this. You know what made you guys go with time and Netflix versus everyone else that was kind of after this project? Well, time we was already with time. That was already with time. Yeah. So what made y'all pick next Netflix? Well, Netflix is is the world we wouldn't wouldn't have to deal with like. Cause you know, I think like HBO and all of them are like, you know, the North America. Yeah. You know, and um, and Netflix had the world. You know, besides China, we still got to do a deal with China, um, cause they don't have China. But we was like, it 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 reach more people. It was about the reach. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't about the money, cause we could have got way more money for this project if we went elsewhere. But it was like we wanted to reach and we want to own it. You know, it's like all of that. So Netflix was the perfect partner. And, and uh, it worked. They gave us the most flex, the most flexibility. Yeah, interesting how it's not like just a linear, like a one shot. Like, oh, they give you the most money, right? Or they like, there's a lot of things that go into that decision. Yeah, between, anything, right? I want to say it was between Viacom and, uh, and specifically Viacom because of Showtime, mm-hmm. because there was a part of us that were interested in inventizing the whole thing, like like a pay per view, like a fight, and yeah. treat the whole thing like a fight, and do instead of and and do a whole run where it's like. Where we could 24-hour programming around it, sell merch. I guess in my, I still would have loved to have done that version or see, you know, what I'm saying what version of yeah. that could have been like if if it would have been dope if Netflix had some kind of pay-per-view kind of thing initiated. Yeah, you know. And so. I just did a licensing deal with them, right? Yeah, it's yeah. kind of dope. Yeah, so it reverts back to us. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like in any business, your business, your business, that aspect of like when you build credibility right then you have leverage and that leverage allows you to like really maintain like more control more economics but creative control right like if yours is the same if you have to like hustle like when you started out you know hustling tapes in front of universal (laughs) 
right? You got no leverage. It's just like, you know, and so it's interesting how you guys were able to build that. Yeah. So I think it's a little bit common to any yeah. entrepreneurial story. Yeah. Is it like, it's either leverage or the perception of leverage, but yeah. one or the other, you gotta, you gotta have that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What were you saying? Now for the fun questions from me, at least. <laughs> I read somewhere y'all uh, made like $30 million off the Kanye shit. I don't know if it's true or not. <laughs> when you realized you wasn't broke no more, what was the first thing you bought? Fun shit. Not like, uh, you know, I went and bought bonds. <laughs> like, I went to get something fun. You just was like, fuck that ramen. <laughs> I think, I think, you know, um, we just invested in ourselves. Like this next doc we doing, Arnie Barr's documentary, that's probably the biggest thing that I've spent any money on is this, this, this building this, you know, cause now we, we able to, you know, do it ourselves, you know what I'm saying? Financially. So we started with Arnie Barr. So that's like, we bet on ourselves. you know what I mean? So that's, I think that's the biggest thing for that's me. That's still investing though, but you and had to buy so something. I'll, I'll, I'll keep all the faith to hundred percent. She gonna, my fiance gonna kill me, but <laughs> I probably wouldn't bought every single baseball, basketball card that I couldn't. <laughs> I got lost in sports cards. <laughs> they had like a site, whatnot came out. It was an online. You could bid. They'll rip the pack in front of you. I felt like I was like that twelve year old kid again uh -huh. that I could actually buy the pack now. And uh -huh. I, I probably spent like fifty thousand <laughs> baseball cards. Baseball cards. Yeah. I know you got one of those, man. I mean, my art, I had like, a, like the art, my art pieces I bought, um, a few nice, I got a Ernie Barnes. I said, I'm crazy. So, but I think that's that, but like I say, man, I, I, the most money I'm spending right now is on, is on the, the dude's next doc on Ernie Barnes. So yeah, that's going to be big. What, what are some of the things you guys are working on in the future? I know you got the Ernie Barnes documentary, well, we got Candles Cross. Yeah. We're yeah. super excited about yeah, what else? That documentary. You know, we're really spending a lot of time right now on the network, like he's talking about, figuring out how can we put ourselves in a position to just have an interaction with a consumer of our projects that we create and other products that we want to shepherd in a network. But when we say a network, it's not thinking about it in terms of like, we don't know how it's going to look. It doesn't necessarily need to be as, as big as Netflix. You know what I mean? We just want the ability to when we have a project, be able to market that project to a large audience of people and interact with them, whether it's through phones, whatever it is, and just trying to figure out the, the, the most resourceful way that we can create that right now, because that gives us that, that autonomy to be able to have the leverage mm -hmm. to still go court a distributor, but if every project, not, not just one project now, every project they know, and then the opportunities we can give. See, the thing with networks, there's not a lot of vision in networks. Every film that you usually see that's like an Oscar, like, Take like um, what was the film that they shot in India uh, years oh. ago? Oh, Slumdog uh, Millionaire, right? Yeah. Well, that film, they would have never picked that film up if somebody tried to shop that. Yeah, Hollywood has to prove itself through the film circuit. Had to do all this stuff, but that film became it won the I became one of the most creative best films ever. Yeah, you know, what's so that Brazilian one? Oh, you talking about uh, City of God? Yeah, another yeah, one, yeah. another one. Yeah. These types of films are the films when you think about film class you think about these films more than you probably think about like you know superman or a blockbuster film you think yeah. about these more art those are the films we're into we're into like giving other people opportunities to have these types of ideas that they'll die they'll live they're just gonna die because the networks they're not gonna they're, they're too out the box 
yeah. for them. They're yeah. not safe. They don't check these these boxes of safety for everybody that's working at a network to keep their job. They're right. not going to take those risks. Yeah. You know what I mean? So not saying that there's not a space for those. There's a space, but there's a space for these other types of projects. And there's all these creative people that are looking for outlets. And so we want to be a conduit to be able to like take that work and put Being that. around all this music your entire career, any of y'all ever tried to rap? <laughs> like nobody never wrote a verse? I might have wrote a verse though. I definitely, I definitely remember we was in the Diddy 172 because they were making it look so easy. Like most was up in there on the mic, he get up and hit his. Then Stolly's back there writing his 16. He get up and spit. So there was a time when I was definitely back there. Like I'm gonna see if I can get up here. But what we did do was try to manage rap rappers. We like, man, we did this for Kanye. Yeah, we did it for like we, you know, we did it. Pitbulls, all his first, uh, Benj Burrell. Yeah, Joey, Joey's the artist that we. Joey, we mad started the Yeah, got him, helped walk him into the label and everything. So. Oh wait, Joey Bad ass. Yeah, that's yeah, dope. His that first video, did his first. I mean, really came up with a whole strategy behind Joey. Yeah, yeah. but that didn't work out for us. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we filmmakers, yeah. we creators, and and um and you know going to do that to to manage was like. The word yeah, man, music, the music crazy. Music I, it's kind of crazy too. So I'm like, I, I'm, I'm good on any of that. So we, uh, I love like funny TV shows. Yeah, hundred percent. We got we're working on some stuff now. Like the wire, we need another yeah, wire, bro. Yeah. <laughs> we got some. We developed some, some stuff with CC Sabatia, so we got some cool stuff. I did with him. Um, so we got stuff in the lane of scripted. That yeah. Now the strike has over, so things are kind of starting to. So we're, we're hitting from every anything storytelling, yeah. You know, even to a brand like that's what we do. So, yeah. uh, what, what's the core foundation of your business? If you have to kind of, you know, kind of come into the end, and we're going to go to a couple of questions from uh, some listeners. Like, what do you guys say? Like, if you're going to say, what's the core foundation? You know, what do you guys keep coming back to? I say empathy. Like a lot of our work is about creating um, projects that can create empathy. It educates you more about a culture or a niche of something that you don't know about uh, that you can now have a different perspective on because if we all empathize with one another, I think it brings us closer to peace. Like you're less likely to kill somebody that you actually like know a lot about and you kind of makes you care about them, you know what I mean? So that's what we kind of focus on. Can this project create empathy? Because through empathy, you can create impact, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and and trust God, period. You know, but all that we went through is like the, the only thing that I could think of was just say with things that were just coming in our face. It was like, you know, I'm like, trust God, period. Mm -hmm. When I said that, you know, and Dave showed up. <laughs> I showed up right in the You didn't have to sleep in a chair. Okay. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's definitely why. But Talk, I'm reading this book, uh, 38 Letters to My Son from John D. Rockefeller. And one of the chapters he spoke about just believing no matter what. Mm -hmm. And like, I mean, you found Kanye and started filming him before Kanye even started rapping, right? right. What gave you that belief in him? Like for all that time, com coming from Chicago, where there's a thousand rappers, a thousand beat makers that was way more lit than him at the time. What made you believe in him and kept believing even after Kanye was being Kanye? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I just, it's just like I said, it like, I think 
I think you, you somebody who believe in themselves so much yeah. could help you to believe. Like, so you <laughs> help you believe. I'm like, but but it was just a domino effect of like seeing him at the barbershop and he playing these beats and he played H to the Izzo and I'm like, who is this kid with H? And then I seen him, I did see him perform because he had a group called the Go-Getters and they, they performed at this thing and I went and I was like, oh, this is the kid who got, got the tracks but he was up there on stage rapping with them too and he was so charismatic and he was like, the, I just seen the star in him and at the same time I seen Hoop Dreams and I was like, how can somebody just follow these basketball players all them years? Like, I want to do something like that. And Kaye was the one. But then he moved to New York, and I was in Chicago, and uh, I was going to do a documentary on Michael Jordan coming back to the NBA. Uh, hoop Dreams, like I'm going to document Michael Jordan because his nephew told me he was coming back, and I'm like, oh, word. I went to Miami. I shot, like, Magic Johnson and a bunch of people I was like, what if Michael Jordan come back and I was going to put this sizzle together for Michael Jordan for his nephew to get him? And I get back to Chicago from Memorial Day weekend and I get carjacked. Like, I'm in my car and next thing I know, my door open is a nine millimeter to my head. And I'm like, and he's like, give me that money. And I'm like, what money? Whatever. <laughs> I had like $25. I gave it to him. $25. <laughs> But he was like, you know, I was like, take the car, you know, whatever you got. So when he when he took the car, my camera, all that footage from my laptop, I had, I was on stage, me and D.I. Cole, if y'all know D.I. from uh, Blackish, but me and D.I. on stage, and uh, Biz Markie is DJ, and Jermaine Dupree is on the mic, and while I'm on stage, Jay-Z walks up and starts freestyling. I just turn the camera, it's Jay-Z freestyling. All that footage gone. Damn, that's crazy. But then, because I just bought a condo, the 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 insurance gave me everything that was in the car and the money for the car, yeah. a lump sum of money, and I took that money and I moved to New York. So, how long was all carjacking things, huh? How long was the carjacking? How long would you how long go to the carjacking happen? Oh shoot, that was the 14th. Memorial weekend was what May. I mean Memorial Day is May. I wound up moving to New York when they gave when the money came in in, in August. Look into the camera and talk to this carjacker and tell him if hey, he returned that footage no, right I already now. Not, I already we all want to see that footage. So somebody, <laughs> one of my guys was like, um, he was like, man, did you get carjacked? I said, yeah. He was like, yeah, because we was all in somebody's house and dude was like, this one dude got killed. The guy who carjacked me got killed and they was like, what all the things that he did, you know, bad or something he was saying, and yeah. and it was like he carjacked me. That's crazy. So he knew me, whoever, because he had a ski mask oh. on. So whoever carjacked me knew me. Yep. So wow. he said he's dead. I'm like, okay, so, but anybody who know where that footage is, <laughs> you any other pieces of uh, crazy archives you haven't put out yet? What is what else? What other? Uh, probably Kanye. You got some, but anything else that's just sitting back there that, that comes to come mind yeah Artie Barnes yeah, like, uh -huh. I, yeah. We there's a lot of Eric stuff that was by do I documented yeah. Eric about do um it's a lot there's a, yeah. there's a, there's a lot yeah. John Legend uh, yeah, stuff John Legend footage bunch of yeah. bunch of that yeah all right the, the RZA and RZA daughter Prana um, is my goddaughter, and she and her, her mom, they got a thing, a, a group called uh, One Duel, and they like a country, country, um, country group like Judd, you know, uh -huh. mother daughter. 
and uh, that's Reza's daughter and 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 um and my my sister Takita, and which Takita was the first lady of Wu Tang, so I've been documenting Pranus as a baby, you know, and of course my daughter I've been documenting since since she was born. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, so. Ernie Barnes too, I guess, Ernie, right? Ernie for Barnes, that's right. been twenty years, 20 right? Years, Ernie Barnes, twenty yeah. years. Who's a who's a really amazing artist that uh, did the cover of Good Times and uh, Marvin Gaye's Marvin album, album and Sugar Shack sold for fifteen million. Yeah, I've seen that he's been filming for 20, viral, 20 years. Huh? With, uh, Eddie Murphy when he was saying he bought a painting for fifty thousand and now it's worth sixteen million. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we need like a Irby viral course once a week to watch live. That's on you. Make sure they watch everything viral. But um, yeah, that's Ernie Bonds. It was uh, Eddie Murphy has this like clip that went viral. He was saying, you know, I bought this uh, painting for fifty thousand, however long ago, and they offered him. He sold it for sixteen million dollars. Well, he can. He could probably sell it for way more than that. But Mr. Bonds did two of those paintings called the Sugar Shack, and the one painting that that went up for auction for fifty as it sold for fifteen million, right? That was the one that was on Good Times. The one that's on Marvin Gaye album cover was the other one. That's the one Eddie Eddie on. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, so he still has so, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's two of them. Actually, crazy. Yeah. yeah. So if you put that up for auction, he knows it. Um, sometimes we do this at the end. I'm gonna do a listener question. Yeah. All right. And then uh, and then we'll wrap up with our uh, little ounce of gold. So um. So one some, somebody said uh, been, things have been growing great with their business partner, successful. Uh, but they've been seriously uh, butting heads regarding the direction they want to take in the business. They don't want the business to go sour because um, the business is going great, but there's been a lot of head butting. Have you guys had anything similar to that? I and mean, we kind of covered that, but like, what would your advice be in that situation, I guess, if that's the case? Business is going well, but there's just a lot of continual head butting. I would say uh, just got to get rid of your ego, like he was saying earlier. You got to just let, let it go and see what's the best for the company and like, cause everybody want to win, but when you when you get rid of that ego, you you start really listening and figuring out what's what's real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that it just seems like they at a, at a spot where there's gotta be some one of them has to probably have a real conversation with themselves, and then they have to have a real conversation with one another. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, it's like this stuff is kind of like it's like a marriage. You know what I'm saying? When you're in a business relationship, like not every marriage. Just because you marry somebody don't mean that marriage, you have to stay in that marriage if you're not happy in a marriage. But you should put the time to really introspective with yourself to to make sure is it the, is that the problem? Mm-hmm. So you got to find a deep rooted source of what the issue is. You know what I'm saying? And if it's one that you know it's that big of a problem to move on, then then you should move on. But you should make that decision quick too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And if it's not, then you need to both figure it out, be happy with that decision, and then. Get back on that goal together. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Great answer. You got anything else, or you want to move to? Come on, any, anything else you want to move down to gold? We always leave the listeners, and in this case, the amazing people at Irby. Wait, I, I got a question for y'all before that. Did, 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 since we hear Irby real estate, any of y'all got into real estate, like to any level, any degree? I just bought a house. You just bought a house in New Orleans, right? Like when I think of real estate, I'm thinking like what you do with real estate is just very daunting to me. I can't wrap my head around it. It's something that I feel like 
I would, but I feel like it would take the, my whole career that I took to just figure out film to figure that out. But this just could be my, that's just a, a different sort of business mentality for me that I don't know, you know, I have the acumen for it. Yeah. But it's, it's, what about it's you? so important. I mean, I'm, I'm, I haven't, but I'm looking into Ghana uh, right now. So. Oh, shit, we was in Ghana together. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. <laughs> so I go, I'm going back out there on the, on the 20, on the 28th again for New Year's, but I'm gonna stay out there longer because I got some uh, properties to look at, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely, you know. That's a good tip. That's a good tip, Ghana's happening. Yeah, yeah, sure. But I feel like real estate is, like you have to figure that out at some point in your life. You gotta, if you can, you gotta figure out property. You gotta, I mean, we play Monopoly a lot. Uh -huh. <laughs> That's my first course. It's a good start, <laughs> it's a good start. Yeah. Where I'm gonna do it, like I do my arc. So I, I like whatever I get in the arc, I like it first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I want to see it. I want to put it on the wall and yeah. I want to see it. And the same with, I guess, when I, as I move into real estate, I'm going to want to like it and live in it. You know what I'm saying? And then maybe yeah. at that point I'll start moving around and then I have properties and I guess I, I don't know how it works, but that's what I, I believe I'm, I'm going to do, do it that way. You we know, have I thought like. about creating, a, uh, um, we call it, used to call it the rec room, but creating spaces maybe starting with a model where it's here, New Orleans, Chicago, but a space really for mentorship, you know what I mean? A space where we can really train up a farm system of filmmakers and producers. Yeah. And like, that's why the network for us is so important because if we have the network, then it's like that schooling there, it doesn't leave somebody without an opportunity once we've trained them up. I know for a fact, definitely in, in docs, if you're interested in docs and you sit down with us and you're passionate, you're, you're weak and you listen, We'll get you over the hump, and you'll have a successful documentary, and you can make a career out of it. But I think in you art, I mean? too, period, because we, we did it. Actually, we started it with Billy when we were going to do the Boulevard, which was going to be a space where all these creatives come, and we was going to film and, and sell stuff out of that space. But then we did it with Dane, with, yeah. with, with DD-172, which was a space. But now we're just like, we have to, you know, control it ourselves, and we want to, we want to, um, we, that's one thing that, like I said, we're looking at, looking at. Right. So create a situation where, like, after you after you poured into the youth or whoever it is, that there's an opportunity once they've gone through it, so they're not worried about like like when you go to college, you're still worried about am I going to get a job when I get out of college? But in this situation, like, you don't have to worry about anything. Like, as yeah. long as you sit here, there's an opportunity waiting for you to get your work out, monetize it, have a career. You do me so. So every time at the end of the show, we ask to leave our listeners with kind of one. Final piece of advice, we call it our ounce of gold. I'll give you guys each an ounce of gold right here. Oh, damn. All right, that's a real, that's a real ounce of gold. That's crazy. Up there. I appreciate that. Yeah. Dang. So, um. What? I ain't expect <laughs> Mike kind of told me that y'all do this, though. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got a double, double trouble, plus this twice damn. this time, but. He thought, he thought y'all gave me this. Oh, that's oh. right, right, because it kind of looks like that. This is fine. So you're welcome. So uh, yeah. So, so just we got to do another podcast next week. We got <laughs> <laughs> every week, every week. <laughs> so, but we want an ounce of gold from y'all for the listeners, and in this case, we want to if if y'all could provide it. What's your ounce of gold for the entrepreneur, the Irby, uh employee, the Bojangles, Bojangles, Bojangles. <laughs> Um, the, the the person that's on the come up just you know yeah just I mean, I, a goal for them i don't want I, I hope this doesn't sound too cliche but it, it worked for me 
you know, I, from as as early as I can remember, I had a, a belief in something greater than me, you know, um, I call it God, other people might, whatever you have a name for it, but I just think in knowing that there's a force larger than you, energy, we all are connected energetically, thought is energy, using that in a, in a positive way, in a way that that's the thing that if you, if you fall down backwards, it'll catch you, you know what I'm saying? And having that much faith to know if I'm, that it's gonna catch me, that got me through everything, every hard time, every adversarial situation, just that faith, I prayed on it. I've been in rough situations in life. I've been, I think majority of my life as an adult, I would say I probably had two nickels in the bank. You know what I'm saying? Those situations, but I never lost faith in God to get me to the next opportunity. Like, and just unwavering, like I'm sitting in this apartment, there's an eviction notice, I'm gonna figure it, figure it out. Like it's gonna get figured out. Yeah. I'm not about to panic. Not here. Not, not here. Not here. <laughs> not here. You know. But got through that. Got, got through that situation. That, that landlord's happy with me still. You know what I'm saying? But just like you know, everything. Looking at everything, that you can get down on the things you perceive as bad that happen to you. But if you shift your perspective and you look at those things as blessings, that maybe they're happening to just shift me in a different direction that I need to everything bad that has happened to me was because it shifted me in a different direction that was for the betterment of what I was trying to achieve because I had a goal you know what I'm saying yeah. I had I was ambitious about something and passionate about something and so I promise you like I promise you is I, I hate to say it's that easy but it's that easy you know what I'm saying and it's, it's you sound crazy saying that but I would have told you that in that moment when I was the worst off that like that's the biggest thing that I'm gonna hold on to that's gonna get me through this moment right now, and it's always proving itself. It might be a breaker goal. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get you out to go. I, I say it was cheeky, but I just would uh, started with a story uh, because we're about to put out Genius and theaters like the following like a week, right? The next Friday. And it's my birthday, right? And I'm at Bond Street, and I'm, I'm, you know, everybody there. We drinking, we kicking. I took an edible. I'm just like feeling crazy. <laughs> I'm feeling nice. I'm all oh, that is the best time ever. And then I look down, and the the president of time, I see a text that says, "Yo, Kaye's about to about to put a cease and desist and stop this movie from coming out." I, I almost fainted when I read it, <laughs> right? And at the same time I'm reading it, I look up, here come the birthday cake. Happy birthday! <laughs> like, right, so now I'm looking and it was like, God tapped me on the shoulder like, dude, why are you tripping? You see all these people in front of you that love you right here? And the lion is not about to chop your head. Ain't no lion in front of you about to chop your head off, but you worried about the lion right now. These are all the people, and, and, and I get you through everything all the time. So you said, trust me. And that's when I really started saying, trust God, period. And at that moment, I said, trust God, period. And I went and kicked in and had a ball, and of course, the movie out. And you know, so mm -hmm. it, it, it's to Chike's point, it's like, we have to trust God, and, and, and he gonna get you through it no matter what. So that, that would be my. That's great. That's that's amazing, guys, welcome. Mm -hmm. I wanna just, Wrap up for my co-host Mel right here. He's gonna jump in if he wants. Mike's missing, but uh, <laughs> I want to I want to thank these guys truly, truly. I'm grateful for 
both you guys in my life, uh, you know, Same. and yeah. you know, it's been, it's been a journey and it's been really, really cool to be able to grow together, spend this time together, you know, learn from each other. And, um, you know, you guys all know, like we're all family here, you know, we're, we're brothers and it's been, um, amazing building that trust and, and I'm like so proud of like, everything you've achieved like just to watch you know from when we met in fact and the talent was always there everything was always there but just to see you know how amazing you've built this business which is no easy feat right in this in any industry music movies documentaries reels you know it's 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 challenge but in in the movie industry wow that's that's not easy to put yourself together start a company like that you know make it so successful so i'm you know grateful to know you guys really thankful that you came and this, you. Uh, business Untitled podcast with us. We're so happy to have you here. Oh, Appreciate you. Yeah, Yo, thank you. Mel? And if Barack call again, ah, no, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. please do this one for us. Probably still you might know, be the when same. I'm ready Politics for my documentary. Like, ah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hook me up. That's but nah, you. thank y'all for coming, Appreciate man. Thank you. Yeah. thank you. Irby, thank y'all for Thanks, having guys. me again. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Thanks, man.